2: Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, welcome back to the Fallout Lorecast. This is your host, Tom or Robots, and um, you're only going to be hearing from me a little bit just during this intro, because I'm not actually here. I'm recording this ahead of time in order to put this out into the world, while I am off in the world somewhere else, doing vacation-y things. So, uh, for today's episode, I asked a friend of mine, Somebody who I've been very impressed with their work over the last few years to step in and do a solo show, just kind of take the reins of the show and do an episode. I think you guys are going to love this. Jessica Starr has joined us this week to do this and I'm not going to keep talking at you right here. I'm just going to go hand that off to her. You're going to hear from her and then I'll be back for the mid break. So, enjoy.
3: Welcome to the Fallout Lorecast, the podcast that explores the boundaries of our knowledge about the world of Fallout. Let's start with the obvious. I'm Jessica Starr, also known as J-Star, and definitely not known as Robots, Last I heard about Tom, he was joining some kind of caravan heading to New Canaan, and I haven't heard from him in a bit. Let's hope he's okay, but I'm going to step in for the week. I most recently did a New Vegas playthrough myself, although I'm always playing at least one Fallout game, if not multiple, because the story never ends and war, war never changes. I was happy to see Tom has also come back to New Vegas, doing the lore video recently on companion Craig Boone and the town of Novak. So let's continue with that. Today's episode specifically is about the Boomers and Nellis Air Force Base. We're going to do the two of them together because the Boomers as a faction are very tied to their location. It provided them with a fortifiable haven when they needed it, has kind of aligned with their goals, And it's even given them some new dreams and aspirations. So I feel like the location and the people who live there that make up the boomers are intrinsically linked. What do I mean by that? Well, I will let Pete, the current keeper of the story, tell you a little bit more about how the boomers came to be there and their origins. Take it away, Pete. Me?
4: I'm Pete, keeper of the story.
3: Yes, I did just tell them that, Pete. But aren't you a little bit young to be running the museum here?
4: I know I seem kind of young. I was the apprentice keeper of the story until a couple months ago. But old Keeper Don, well, whiskey and landmines don't go together. So it's up to me. I bet you want to know everything about us. I'm sure you've noticed the mirror on the wall of this hut. Shall I tell you what it all means? Imagine you're the first outsider to ever hear our tale.
3: So I'll let him continue with the story, but I want to point out that we did learn a couple of things about the boomers already. We learned about Don, the old keeper, and that he met a rather explosive end. From what we're gonna learn about the boomers and their history, it seems like this is not an uncommon thing among them. Also, there's a large mural on the wall of this location that depicts their history, and it seems like it's more an oral tradition passed down from keeper to keeper, in this case, Don to Pete, It hasn't been that long. Don may have actually been an original uh, vault dweller. We'll get to that. He mentions that we are the first outsider to hear this story. So they've been at Nellis for a long time. And yet he says we're the first to hear this story. So they don't get out much. In fact, they seem to be a very xenophobic faction. Do they really have good reason not to trust outsiders that much? I guess we'll find out. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt Pete. Please continue.
4: Ages ago, long before I was born, we lived underground. Everyone had guns. But the overseer wouldn't let us explode anything, not even a hand grenade. We left and wandered the wastes. There were savages with knives. We blew them up with frag mines and grenades, burned them with flamethrowers. It was neat, but there was a downside. For every 43.6 savages we killed, we lost one of our own. We needed a new home. We needed Nellis.
3: So there you have some of their origin up to coming to Nellis Air Force Base. Pete talked about them living underground. He's talking about a vault, specifically Vault 34. Many of you probably already know the story of Vault 34. Tom has done an episode on it. And at this point in the game, you probably discovered the entrance. Maybe made it in, maybe not. Uh, It's guarded by geckos and a whole lot of rads. So it's not the easiest vault to get to, but ultimately there are a couple of quests that lead you there. In fact, some of them are connected here to Nellis, too, because of the boomer's history. So the story of Vault 34, just briefly, it's a vault with a lot of people. In fact, they had a major overpopulation problem. The general experiment of the vault seems to be how many guns can we pack in one place without people blowing themselves up? They had all the best toys, weapons and ammunition, and a very gun-focused culture. Thinking about it, the Vault-Tec experiment was probably more that they knew they would blow themselves up, and how long would they last, and what would transpire. Ultimately, some members of the vault, a faction, arose that wanted to do more. They wanted to take out the fun stuff and have fun with it. Of course, the Overseer had to limit that due to the dangers. They had access to a shooting range. They could use some weapons, but a significant amount of the armory were not able to be used, despite the teachings that they should be able to. Ultimately, it went as you'd expect. A riot broke out. This was about 50 years ago, and this faction stormed the armory. They grabbed all the stuff they wanted, headed out, and became the Boomers. Now, we don't know what happened to them exactly between then and Nellis, besides what's said here. They ran into raiders, probably the early Viper raiders or other factions. It didn't go well. They might've had knives. (laughs) In fact, I could tell that Pete is very proud to say they ran into people with knives because Boomers really love their superior firepower. But they still had trouble, despite the tactical superiority. Not everybody made it, and so when they found Nellis, it was a perfect location to settle down, fortify, and wall out the outside world. Because after their experience with their fellow vault dwellers, and the people of the Mojave Wasteland, they're like, nah dog, no more of this. I say they didn't leave, but there's at least one expedition that we're aware of when they went to a location called Area 2, which I believe is a real location near Nellis. ammunition stockpiles and stores, and also a couple of howitzers there, which is intrinsic to the defense of their base. So they grab all this extra stuff, and they are set for a long time with everything they brought with them, and these new ammunition and weapon stores. They set up that perimeter. There's essentially a no go, not just no fly, no walk, no run zone (laughs) around the base. Anyone comes near, they get warning shots. They come near, well, it's more than a warning, friend.
4: Here we have prospered and multiplied. Here our mighty guns destroy any savages who might try to harm us before they can even reach our gates.
3: This is in line with the philosophy they seem to have about defending themselves, the negative intent of outsiders. It's kind of a post-apocalyptic, stay the hell off my lawn to the nth degree. Oh, another thing that I should mention too, one reason why they were able to take Nellis and it wasn't already overrun with Raider gangs and other people of the waste. Nellis had been hit in that area with nuclear weapons that didn't hit in Vegas, but Nellis is a little more exposed.
4: Several automatic warheads detonate here a 100 years ago, leaving the base highly radioactive. The savages of the waste, ignoramuses, all avoided Nellis by habit.
3: Over time, that would have faded. And the boomers, being vault dwellers, all have pit boys So when they get there, they realize the area is not overly irradiated, or else, of course, it would have ticked and detected rads, and we all know how that goes. And certainly by the time we get there, we're not detecting rags in the area. But I think that reputation may have helped them not only find it uninhabited, but given them time to get set up before others tried to follow or explore. And all that time, no one else, or so the story goes, has set foot in Nellis until.
4: Well, until, but I'm not saying you wanna harm us or you're a savage, but anyways. Nellis has revealed many secrets. It has taught us how to fly the bombers once based here, and it has taught us where to find one. And that is our story so far. For this last image is our future. To restore the bomber, to fly the open skies in armored safety, raining high explosive ordnance upon ignorant savages. This is our destiny.
3: So he has a good bit more to say if you want to ask him specific questions, but that sums up their story so far and their new destiny. They're isolationist due to their experience in the wasteland, but also I think it's a habit after growing up in the vault. When all you've known are your friends and neighbors in this enclosed community, you develop a bond and I think you are less likely to even understand reaching out to other groups, if that makes sense. They are out of the vault, but in a way they have just made another one. It's a little bit larger, it has open air and the freedom to blast all the guns they want, but in some ways they haven't mentally left the vault. So that explains the xenophobia and the destiny. Well, Nellis is an air force base. So not only did they discover ammunition and a defensible area and water and all the good things that came with it, They created a self-sufficient community. They also discovered bomber parts, virtual reality training pods, and information on the Lady of the Lake. One of the boomers, Loyal, found a file in the base with magazine articles, photographs, a map, and a bomber, he calls it the 29th of his kind because it's a B-29 bomber, (laughs) actually crashed in Lake Mead. This is historically true. It happened in 1948. So the photograph showed that it was intact, and it's their dream, heightened by all the virtual reality training they've been doing about how to use a bomber to escalate, to not just rain fire on the land with the howitzers, but to rain death and destruction on the savages from the air. I mean, hashtag goals, right?
4: Once we restore power, we learn that some elaborate chairs we've been sleeping in were actually virtual reality simulators. We believe they were used to train combat pilots. We use them extensively. I alone have shot down over 500 Chinese, Zion 85 fighters. Before you ask, I'm afraid there's no way you can be allowed to use the simulators. They're for our use only. We haven't detonated any atomic warheads since before I was born. But otherwise, it's do as you will.
3: Do as you will. So it seems like not only have the boomers kept the values they learned in the vault, but also the ones that led them out of the vault, where people can do what they want, when they want, with the weapons of their choice. Also, I do love the fact that they mentioned no one has detonated a nuclear warhead since before he was born, which leads me to believe, okay, they must have before that, and maybe it didn't go so well for people. Hope they didn't end up like poor old Don.
4: Whiskey and landmines don't go together.
3: Speaking of the virtual reality training simulators, he mentions that they are boomer use only. That was disappointing. I don't know about you, but as a gamer, I was, hell yeah, that sounds way more fun than Nuka Tapper. But alas, we can't play. Chances are it's because they didn't have time to actually create the game or necessarily even know what it was. Although I bet someone on the team had ideas. But yeah, unfortunately we do not get to try it. And no matter how we play this out, we won't get to fly a bomber ourselves. That wraps up a lot of the info we can get from our buddy, Pete. To summarize, they're former vault dwellers. They're isolationists due to experience in and out of the vault. They strongly believe in personal liberty and a right to bear arms. They're self-sufficient, not having to leave nails at all. And this seems to be ingrained in all of the members from a very young age, just like Pete. And they learned about farming, combat, and the boomer way. We only see maybe 30 to 40 of them on the base, many with just a few lines or faction dialogue, but we'll go over the structure of the base and a few key members that we interact with after the break. Speaking of, I love games, and I have a couple of Fallout trivia questions for you. Think about these, and I will share the answer to these three questions when we come back. First question, as an RPG, Some of the roots of the first Fallout game were going to be based on an established tabletop system, but that was scrapped. What was this called? Second, the RoboBrain design is unique in that it uses an actual human brain as its central processor. In New Vegas, the RoboBrains are extra unique in that they're voiced by a different actor than the other games. Who was it? Third, there is another beverage location west of the Sunset Sarsaparilla headquarters called Brewer's Beer Bootlegging. It's just a small joint. You might not have seen it. But if you have, there's an advertisement here for a beer called Strategic Nuclear Blank. What was it called? Think about these, and we'll be back in a minute. At Parker, our purpose
1: is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
4: Hello there, old
2: chap. Good to see another of General Atomic's finest still eager to serve. So jessica's like killing it right this is awesome she's doing such an awesome job with the show i hope you guys are enjoying it this is the mid-break this is where i get to thank our patrons and we (laughs) i'm recording this early so i don't have any new patrons to shout out because it's it hasn't been that long since i did the last episode but i do get to say thanks to i'm the creeper and germinator for being our sentry bot Level Patrons. Thank you so much to both of you. You guys are amazing. All 54 of our patrons. I couldn't do this without your help. Thank you to all of you. I very much appreciate it. And if you've been enjoying this show, you want to get in on getting those bonus t-shirts, you want to get the last year of shirts and then start into getting the next year of shirts, every three months, if you sign up at a tier four or higher, you get a shirt sent out to you that I have designed myself. You can go check them out. They're on patreon.com slash falloutlorecast. You have to scroll down some of the uh, posts a bit, but you'll, you'll find them. They're on there. And As long as you sign up now, before I think it's before September, then you get in on the first year, but then you also start getting in on the second year of shirts. So it's like double shirts. It also works for stickers for tier three. So go check that out. Or if you just don't want that stuff and you want to just get ad-free episodes, lots of awesome stuff. Patreon.com slash Fallout Lorecast. Also, I would read out some new reviews and do that thing, but... Again, it hasn't been very much time, but if you leave a reading and review on Apple Podcasts, a five-star rating, I will read it out on a future episode of the show. Those are extremely helpful and also five-star ratings on Spotify. All of that stuff helps more people find the show and I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. All right, let's get on with the rest of
3: uh, Jessica's episode. Here we go. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Welcome back. Let's get to those trivia answers. I know you've been waiting. So the first question was about the RPG system that Fallout was originally based on. This was GURPS, the Generic Universal Role-Playing System. And when the game was originally being conceived of, they were calling it Vault 13, a GURPS post-nuclear adventure. Later became Fallout, post-nuclear adventure, and then ultimately, after disagreement between Interplay and Steve Jackson Games, they created their own system. But it had been planned on using GURPS for a while and was even promoted that way. So I figure a lot of you may know that. Second question. In New Vegas, the robo-brains are unique in that they're voiced by a different act than the other games. This actor was... Will Wheaton. Yes, Ensign Wesley Crusher. People mostly connect him with the Old World Blues DLC because of all the, shall we say, unique robo-brains in that one. But he did robo-brains for the whole game. Third question. That beer they were making at Brewers Beer Bootlegging, that was called Strategic Nuclear Moose. I just love that name. What would a rad moose be like? I mean, if you think about how ridiculously tough and overgrown some creatures got, whether FEV or more often radiation, can you imagine a rad moose? That thing would be a tank. I would have loved to see some of those in Far Harbor, say, even tougher than the crab bus. That would have been fun. Anyway, that was your trivia. Hope you guys enjoyed it and did well. If you got all three, major congratulations. Speaking of difficult creatures, why don't you find any irradiated elephants in the wasteland? I don't know. I guess they just thought they were irrelevant. (laughs) So we talked a bit about the boomers philosophy and origins in the first half. In this part, let's get to real life connections with the location of Nellis Air Force Base and your actual interactions with them. So Nellis is interesting. This is one where they were really very close on the map. The overall map for the Mojave Wasteland is really, perspective-wise, one of the closest. Just like I would say Fallout 3 with DC, this one really does have things in relative positions very similar. Some areas are condensed. Lake Mead is squished a little bit closer. nipped in and such shifted around a little. But the overall setup is very connected to real life. Nellis itself is occupying the same position. The no-man's land around Nellis in real life actually has a golf course there. (laughs) So there is some open land and golf courses before you actually hit the rest of Las Vegas, but it is nestled right up against the city for the most part. Also, we talked about Area 2 history of that. So I mentioned it was a real location. Originally, that area was called Lake Mead Base. And I have some facts about that. So did you know that it's actually the second largest repository of uh, Air Force nuclear weapons? Now, this isn't nuclear weapons overall in the US, but for the Air Force specifically. So the nuclear weapons are stored in Area 2, formerly Lake Mead Base, at a remote section of the Nellis complex. Area-wise, looking at the real-life map, it's about as far from the main section of Nellis Air Force Base as Nellis itself is from the Strip. So not that far, but in terms of the world of Fallout, a bit of a dangerous journey. I also find it interesting that to the south and southeast of the Air Force Base, you do have the cliffs and ridges between there and the start of Lake Mead. Perfect territory for Deathclaws, as we well know. Looking up statistics on this, I can find information from the early 2000s, so I'm not sure how that may have changed. Of course, the fallout timeline is somewhat different, but I love the fact that certain things would have paralleled growth despite the changes. So, as of early 2000s, bombs they would have there included gravity bombs and air-launched cruise missile warheads. This site was originally rather remote, but as stuff grew up around it, it's still connected to the city by a road or two. Let's talk about Nellis Air Force Base itself. So here's a fun fact. It was originally named McCarran Field after the base was established. They called it McCarran Field, like McCarran Airport. Now, I say McCarran Airport, but did you know in December of 2021, McCarran Airport actually became Harry Reid International Airport? I don't think that happened in the Fallout timeline, obviously, but yeah, it's now a legacy location. Camp McCarran, if they had a Fallout our timeline, could be Camp Harry Reid. Other names along the way for Nellis itself, after it was McCarran Field, it became the Las Vegas Airfield and Las Vegas base, and then ultimately it was named Nellis in 1950, named after a Lieutenant Nellis who was a World War II fighter pilot and he flew over 70 combat missions. He was shot down three times on those missions, kept getting back up and going again, and unfortunately in the third time he was shot down, he was killed in combat. Other notable things about Nellis Air Force Base in real life, the USAF Fighter Weapons School was located here. It looks like there's a lot of tactical air command, weapons training, there's even a number of fighter and weapons wings, Nellis Air Force Base is known as the home of the fighter pilot and is the Air Force's focus for advanced combat training. So what a great place for the boomers to end up, and no wonder they became interested and obsessed with flight combat themselves and the bomber. Also, interestingly enough, there is a museum on location, the Thunderbird Museum, so the Boomers weren't the first to have a museum there. (laughs) Getting to Nellis and the General Quest. Well, you're sent to make nice with the Boomers, to meet them and try to recruit them by whichever faction you're joining with, or your own if you're with Yes Man. The NCR, Mr. House, yourself, all want to enlist the Boomers on their side, or at least determine where they stand in the politics of the region, and if they're going to interfere with your plans. But of course, bringing them over to your side is likely to be more helpful. So of course, getting there is easier said than done. As we talked about, they're very isolationist, and they do not let anyone near. So getting there, a lot of people will run into George, who is outside the Nellis Air Force Base area, is willing to give you some advice on how to get there. If you're willing to make a wager of 300 caps, that you'll make it. So it's a great money-making scheme on his part because given the odds, (laughs) most people don't. If you make it back alive, he will double your caps and you will, instead of have 300, he'll give you 600 back. You can, of course, speech check him down to 200 to get the information to get through. But given the fact that we can reload a save and are probably going to make it back alive, might as well go with the full 300 and make a few extra caps. His information explains the timing technique, where to run along the ridge, when to pause, and then take shelter in buildings along the way to get there. If you manage to do that, avoid the bombardment during that phase. When you're right near the fence itself, you're less likely to be hit because of course, they don't want to blow up their own perimeter boundary and themselves. There is also mention of another way to get there through a locked train tunnel. If you're higher level, this can be a fun way to go. Because there are some creatures to fight inside, but there's also a level 100 lock on the door to get into the train tunnel in the first place. So most people who are at this point in the story, unless they've been putting a lot of points into it, aren't going to be able to unlock that door, even with a magazine. It really depends on your leveling priorities, but I rarely am. Interestingly, I still usually go that way because I think the best way to go is not through the buildings and is not through the tunnel. But if you make it to the tunnel itself, There's actually a gully. It's still uber dangerous, but you have to keep moving. And eventually you'll get to an open space and can run to the fence and usually survive. The hardest part of this is actually before the tunnel, that initial area you're running along the train tracks. I recommend taking a medex and having your finger right on that Stimpak button because you'll get hit once or twice most likely by part of the blast and you just gotta keep moving. One of those times I really wish there was a run button. Every time I do this, I generally take the railroad tracks to the door and then pause, heal up, get ready, and then run around the gully on the right side up to the fence. And of course, when you get there, they are asking, how did you survive the bombardment? This is where you'll meet one of your first main characters of Nellis, Raquel. As I mentioned earlier, there's a good 30 to 40 people among the boomers here that you actually see in game. And of course, like many things, I consider this representative. In other words, there aren't literally only 30 people in the Boomers. But just like the map is condensed, I always think of population condensed in the game too. People have different theories on that. You're only meeting the certain amount of population that you actually see in the game. Are there only 30 or 40 Boomers? Or are there probably a good 100, 120? The game can only render so much, and the truth is probably somewhere in between. This is where you'll meet Raquel, and she will question you and decide to bring you to Mother Pearl. So there are a number of named NPCs at the base. Raquel is the first one that you'll meet. Other notable ones you'll interact with are Mother Pearl, as she is the general leader, the one who will start the overall quest to get the Boomers on your side and direct you for a lot of it. Loyal, Loyal is the head mechanic, get a number of quests from him. The aforementioned Pete, a young keeper of the story at the Boomer Museum. Raquel, who is the master at arms and kind of their head of security, it would appear. It's funny. I feel like, personal theory, I feel like she might be Mother Pearl's daughter and next in line to take over. I don't know, but there's something about their interaction that, headcanon-wise, I assume they're related. It could just be because the Boomers are a small faction, and so everyone knows everyone. But they feel they have a mother-daughter dynamic, in my opinion. The Doctor, Argyle, who you may or may not impress. We have Jack, who is Loyal's assistant always working with them and he has a fun personal quest. And that really wraps up the named characters you're going to interact with much. A few of the kids have names and a few other NPCs. General layout of the base. I mentioned the Nellis homeland was self-sufficient, which obviously when they have no real interactions with outsiders. Looking at the map, Nellis Air Force Base is a large place But a lot of the area where people actually live and work is somewhat condensed. Major buildings, there are the men's and women's barracks. They live separately, although some people have individual houses and Quonset huts. Also the children's barracks, so the children bunk separately. It seems to be kind of communal situation. That's why I mentioned they're kind of a big family in a way. There is a schoolhouse. There is a medical station, the doctor's office. The workshop, they have two huge hangars. Now, one of these appears to be a work hangar with the training pods where Loyal, Jack, and others work. The other large building is a mess hall and munitions. This is also where some of the merchants here are. There are a few other outlying buildings, several where they grow crops. There's the solar array, which is part of a quest. Biodiesel refinery up north. These outlying areas are still guarded. The boomers do have some robots to use to guard the perimeter as well as themselves. In the game, the primary areas that seem to be guarded, though, are the main and western sides. The north and east, which you can't actually get to in the game, they also don't bother guarding. Apparently, no one's going to jump the edge of the map. The overall quest lines with the Boomers involve helping them out of their declining situation. When you talk to Mother Pearl, she mentions that she was hoping someone would get through. And for five years has been waiting for someone to get there because one assumes that's when some of their troubles started or when she started to realize we might need more contact with the outside world, but they have to be worthy. So it's funny, if they wanted people to visit, why would they keep shelling the place? Why wouldn't they accept trade with the Crimson Caravan? Well, she says the Howitzers kept everyone away and by making it through, you proved you're special. So they did not want to interact with just anyone the savages of the wastes, but someone who was able to figure out how to get through, find a way, and prove they're special, well, that person would be good enough to liaise with. Okay, fine, good thing we did, otherwise they could have been in bigger trouble. Of course, they don't want too much connection, only a little. So in order to convince the boomers to join you for whichever faction you're working with, you have to improve your reputation with them. Now, there are a number of paths to this. Uh, The big ones are generally main quests, a couple of Stuff for the region. Issues they're currently dealing with. They have ants in the generator area by the solar array. And the solar arrays themselves need repaired. They're old and you need some spare parts or a high repair skill. There are some medical emergencies going on. There are three people who have been injured that you can help the doctor with. The kids themselves have some fun demands, little toys they want. Or the big one that everyone will get is a Finding Mr. Cuddles. Jack, Loyal's helper has his eyes on someone out there in the wasteland. Of course, Pete really wants someone to listen to the story of the Boomers, and you get a whole lot of reputation for just listening to that. So hey, you guys listening to the first part of the podcast are already halfway there. Ultimately, when you get your reputation up enough by doing these various missions or tasks, that's when they let you know the whole story about raising the Lady of the Lake up in Lake Mead, bringing that bomber back to Nellis and giving them the chance to fly the skies and bomb the land. That itself is a fun adventure and more than digging themselves out of these few small problems, this is what they wanted an outsider for. Someone who could leave, not be noticed, knew the outside world, and was able to attach the ballast to the plane and raise it to the surface so it could be brought back by robots, of course, because they don't want to leave Nellis any more than they have to. If you do recruit the boomers, increase your reputation and get them on your side and a plane, They will gladly bring it into battle with you at the Battle of the Dam. For whichever side you choose, because the boomers are relatively agnostic politically. They don't have contact with the outside world, but they do have contact with you. And so whichever faction you're aligning with, good enough for them. Any excuse to fly that B-29 bomber. You can see the fixed-up B-29 bomber in the hangar. And on the side, there's actually a painting of a woman in a vault suit. A pinup picture of Pearl in her younger days. I always thought that was a cute touch. As far as how they approach the final battle, in every case, if you've done all their quests, you can actually see them showing up and raining death upon your enemies at the dam if you remember to look up at the second half of the fight or hit bats at just the right time. Now, if you don't complete the boomer's quests, they can still survive, but they will have to eventually reach out to the outside world, so Whichever dominant faction you go with, they'll have to develop a relationship with in most cases to make it, otherwise they fade. If you take the path of killing their leadership, in this case, namely Pearl, their leader, and Loyal, the elder boomer, and their best mechanic, they start to fade from existence. A very sad fate. Overall feelings on the faction, they're honestly one of my favorites that you meet. I love the flavor and character of so many of the factions in New Vegas, But the boomers, despite their isolationist and xenophobic ways, really do accept you pretty quickly. Like most people in the game, they are real people with wants and needs, and I was glad to get to know them. It's fun to speculate what the future may hold for them if you do work with the boomers rather than take actions that leave them unfulfilled or cause them to fade. Do they stay as a military power? Do they grow in strength and eventually incorporate people from the outside? would they ever become a strong enough power that they start to expand their territory? There are some parallels with the Boomers to the Brotherhood of Steel, if you think about it. While the Brotherhood might have gone for more advanced technology, and the Boomers focus on just artillery and military technology, they too are isolationist and seem to have developed over time an almost religious view about the Lady of the Lake, about their destiny, and about going to war. So is working with them really a good thing? In terms of this game, I definitely think so. But should we ever revisit the area, whether in a New Vegas 2, <laughs> or more likely in the future, a game that touches on the region, I'm very curious to see how they might end up, and who's in charge. Is it Raquel? Or is it Lindsay, the mini-boomer who wanted to find a Mr. Cuddles? Who knows, but it's fun to speculate about what the future might hold. Hope you've enjoyed this discussion of the Boomers and the Air Force Base and some of their ties to the real world and our story. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our talk about the Boomers. Thanks so much to Tom for letting me step in and host this episode. If you'd like to follow me a little about my projects, you can follow me over at Sleep is for T on Twitter. That's at Sleep is for the letter T. I stream on Twitch at United Wastelanders Network all spelled out. We stream Tuesdays and Thursdays primarily. Thursdays are all about camps and building in 76. And on Tuesdays, we do a variety of shows. When I play, I'm often doing other games as well. 3, New Vegas 4, played them all on Tuesdays. I post silly videos on YouTube under Jessica Starr and occasionally under Video Game Poetry and work on several podcasts, including The Fallout Feed, which might be relevant to people's interests here. We're a community focused podcast. We discuss all the games in a roundtable format, where we do playthroughs or runs with a specific goal, maybe main quest, maybe DLC, maybe collect all the bobbleheads, stuff like that. We do alternating episodes where we talk about our experiences. And then the next episode, listeners send in feedback about how they tackled whatever the quest or goal was that week. We're up to episode 374 over there. So <laughs> we do wander off topic a bit, but Hey, you never know where you'll end up when you're in the wasteland. I believe next week will be business as usual for the lore cast. Assuming Tom makes it back okay from New Canaan. I sure hope he didn't run into any trouble on the way. And finally, let me leave you with this thought. Did you hear about the Mothman priest who ate half of his bulb collection? He just wanted a light snack. <laughs> Have a great one, and we'll see you next week.
2: To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Reach out to me on Twitter at robots radio. Check out the Robots Radio Rocket Club, where you can join me and a bunch of our other creators creating your podcast, starting a new podcast, or helping your current podcast grow. There's more information about that on robotsradio.net as well. And you can always talk with us and the entire community, over 2,000 people on the Robots Radio Discord. Come join us. We'd love to chat with you. See you guys next time.